0: very strongly that there's going to be this breaking of condemnation in your life. Many of you don't even fully realize the impact that it has on you on a personal level and on a a relationship with God basis. And if the enemy can at all get you to feel or to identify with condemnation, which means I still deserve something because of what I've done, then he has you in a place where there's a barrier between you and the Father. And this, probably just this Sunday, we may continue after the Easter um, weekend, we're going to talk about intimacy with God. And as I've been think, being, begin to think about this understanding of intimacy with God, it's not just how do you do this and what do you do; it's sometimes what's keeping you from being able to have the relationship with God that you so desperately long for. Many of us in this room believe you don't long for that, and I'm telling you that's the condemnation that's deep within all of our souls. When you look at Adam and Eve in the garden, what happened? The moment they sinned, they received something. They received condemnation. They received this shame over their life. And so what happens as a result of them now crossing a line that this one God that they walked every single day in the cool of the garden they walked with, they now where? They went and they, they hid. Because they felt like something changed. Now we can see our own weaknesses and our own flaws. And therefore, I'm going to hide from Him. How many know your own weaknesses and your own flaws? We know them way too well. We're way too intimately acquainted with ourself. And for the last number of weeks, I've been preaching... That the first words that Jesus said to those who were going to follow him is not, I love you guys. He said what? Deny yourself. Because if you don't deny yourself, you'll never be able to receive my love. If you don't deny yourself, you'll never be, to, you'll never be able to walk in the fullness of what I have for you. Because self will always be at the forefront saying, Ah, oh, you know what? You've done enough, God no, 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 I really don't deserve that. Uh, you know what? I really, I haven't done anything for that, God. Uh, you know what, God? I just feel like me and you aren't right because we know ourselves so well. And my hope today is to remind you of what this is all about. That it's not who does the most for God in this room. That's not what this is about. It's not about you leaving this church and going, you know what, or leaving these church walls and going out there and just doing the most for God and serving Him more than anybody else. It's not about how popular any of us become because of what happens as God using us and the result of, this, of Him doing so. It's not even about all the Bible knowledge that we can attain to or us becoming spiritual giants. That is not what this life, this thing that we're called to do together is all about. At the end of the day, this life that we have been given in Christ is about discovering and knowing our Father. That's what ultimately each and every day is set up for, is for you to discover and to know your Father more today than you did the day before, to become intimately acquainted with who this God is that saved your soul. It's not about how much you serve Him. It's not about how much you know about Him. It's about you learning and discovering, God, who are you for me? And learning how to relate with Him on a personal basis. That is the pinnacle. Everybody say the word pinnacle. Pinnacle. That is the pinnacle of life. How many of us are striving to become better Christians? You can take my mic down just a little bit. I feel like I'm just going to keep on going lower and you're just going to keep on going higher. So I know you're bothered by that. Is that the pinnacle of life is not becoming a great Christian. The pinnacle of life is not seeing many healings through your hands. The pinnacle of life is not how many souls that you save, although all of those things are a byproduct of what the pinnacle is, which is knowing the Father. Now, I'm going to share a verse with you in just a moment. It's not going to be on the screen, Jackson. But when you hear this verse, I think you're going to realize something that you may have missed. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the no one comes to. It didn't say no one comes to heaven. This is a big difference. Because we think Jesus is the way to where? Where? But he's the way to who? <laughs> That's huge. We think the end of our life, the goal is to get where? To heaven. And so we feel like we got saved. Now I'm going to? When in fact Jesus said, I'm the way to the Father. I'm a way to a relationship that has been completely restored to a Father who is holy and righteous in justice. And now he welcomes each and every one of you in with open arms. So his biggest concern is not that you are going to spend eternity with him, although that is great. He wants to know us and us know him. The greatest reward that God could ever give us is not a bigger house. It's not promotion. It's not even a a, a wonderful wife or a wonderful spouse or the kids that he has given to us the greatest reward that God has ever given to us, and you can't earn it, you can't strive for it, you can't pay, it, pay for it, is He gives us access to Himself. I hope that you guys hear my heart in the words that I'm saying, because if you look at you day, you will realize there is no condemnation with this statement, that all of us would realize, man, sometimes we're missing it. Sometimes we're just trying to do for God and we want Him to be so proud of us by how much we know and how hard we try and how much we do for Him when He just is saying, I just want to relate with you. I want to talk with you throughout the course of the day because it's when you commune with God, it's when you abide with God, it's when you're intimate with God that everything flows from that. Literally everything Psalm 1611 will be on the screen here. It says, uh, David speaking to the Father, you will show me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy. I can't tell you because I have been given a gift to teach people how much joy comes from teaching. Joy always follows you using your gift. But I can also assure you that there is no greater joy than spending time with the Father with learning how to commune with Him. I remember, uh, and, and I only share these as examples to hopefully inspire you not to put me in a certain place in your mind, but I remember I asked asking my dad when I was a young man, still lived at the house while I was going to college, if he would help me build a prayer room in the basement. And he built me, or he helped, I don't think I helped him, so yeah, he built me a prayer room. It was four by four. What was in there, the furnace, or but it was surrounding a two-foot furnace. So it was really like two by two. And it was like a sauna, but you felt God's presence very powerfully in that place. And it was one of those little doors that you go like this and it bunches together and then you can pull it back. And, uh, And I remember moments in that time where I just felt like, man, God would just unleash conversation with me. And while I was at college, directly across from our dorm room, I remember a room that used to be used for study. And somehow, some way, I named claim to it, and it became a prayer room. And so I'd go in there three times a day just to seek the Father and realize that I I knew at that moment in my life, man, God, this is what it's all about. And I remember one moment, I was a freshman in college... Where, you know, as a freshman, you're very zealous, especially if you're a Christian, about the things of God. And so you're like, God, I want to do this for you. And God, I can't wait for you to use me. And God, help me touch the world. And I remember him so sweetly, just re- re- almost whispering back to me. He says, all right, I need you to do something. He says, I want you to give up your Friday nights and spend them with me. And I didn't realize that I was probably one of the greatest decisions I would ever accept the invitation because I didn't know what he had for me. Because as you go about life, life has a way of you knowing that God's with you, but you truly just don't have so much time to really get to know him. And Sunday mornings, they encourage and they inspire you, and you're like, man, God, you're really working in my life, but man, then life comes around. You have kids, and you have a spouse, and you have work, and you have worries, and you have cares, and it just seems like, man, the day can get away from you, and you haven't really spent time with God, and this message is not to encourage you to spend time with God. I want you to know that, because if I had to encourage you guys to spend time with your spouse, it'd be like, ah, that's a little weird, isn't it? Like... Hey, guys, make sure you spend time with your spouse. It's important. Like, hey, if you love your family, make sure you send. I'm not not doing that. It's functional. There's something that when God captures your heart, he invites you somewhere. And when you you really want him, you're like, okay, I'm going to do that. But there's always sacrifice that comes with it. And so I would go to bed every Friday night. I'd go to bed at 9 p.m. And I'd wake up at 11 p.m. And I'd have my song list ready, what I was going to do and what I was going to read and the verses, all that. I'd just have all the preparation. And then from 11 to 5, for four years, man, he, he just wrecked my world in such a gracious way. He caused me to realize that there's nothing more valuable, there's nothing more important than actually knowing him and I can't do that right now with the, the, the life that I live, but it was an opportunity. That's not what he's asking all you to do is to give up your Friday nights, but I guarantee he'll ask you something. He may ask you for your lunch. And you'll be like, well, I need, my, I, need my, I need to eat my lunch. I need that 45 minutes to eat my lunch and decompress from working with people at work. I don't know what his invite will be to you, but the greatest reward that he could ever give you is saying, I just want you to be with me in my presence. And I want to remind you that your Heavenly Father is actively in pursuit of you. And He's calling each and every one of us to a deeper, thriving, loving, trusting relationship with Him. Let me say this while this is on my mind. You stopping from working and you stopping from being with your kids and you stopping from your your, your spouse and whatever it is, activities, and go, you know what, I wish I could just pray more. That is not the heart of this message. There is a communion that you can have with the Father no matter where you are going and doing inside your life. I truly do believe in the importance of taking breaks because Jesus, He went away into the wilderness to be what? Alone. And you know the Bible never tells us what He did while He was there because He never wanted to become a function, it's a relationship. And so there's moments where you have to break away just so you can be with your father, reconnect, and I'll share share with you why I feel like that's important. But I don't want you to think that work is not worship. No, you spending time with your kids is an act of worship. You working and doing everything unto the glory of God is an act of worship. You being with your spouse is an act of worship to God. So God is not saying, hey, those are nothing. Hey, I need you to spend more time with me. No, I just want you to realize there's a relationship with God that some of us are missing out on. And He is inviting all of us to a greater level of intimacy and greater level of trust. Why? Because He has things for us to do. And sometimes we can't hear His still small voice and what He's asking us to do. And sometimes we don't have the courage to do what He's called us to do because we haven't spent time with Him. To realize that when He calls us to do something, there's going to be a lot of fear involved. It's going to take a step of courage because it's beyond you. It takes God's grace. But he's going to lead us and he's going to guide us. And how many times, because we're just not sure, one year goes by, two years go by, three years go by, and you're like, man, I just, I know God's just going to, he has something for me. I'm just, I'm just not ready to pull the trigger. And he is constantly revealing who he is to us in every challenge that you face, in every setback that you have, there is a revelation of who God wants to be for you. Now think about this because this literally changes life and causes life to now be the very conduit of me discovering who my Father is. So when I'm going this way and we have a setback in life, how many have faced a setback before? Like where you just had a plan That plan went completely the wrong way. You're disappointed and you're discouraged. God goes, there is something in that moment for you to discover about me. What happens though is this. I've heard self-help. I've heard many people say this and I just want to say there's a higher level of understanding here than you know what, there's a lesson in that for me. I would encourage you to not look for every lesson, but to look for who he is to you in that situation. There will be a big transformation difference when you do so. Because all those setbacks are not to teach you a lesson and what do you need to learn? And you know what, you need to fix this and you need to do this. No, God going, man, when you catch a revelation of who I am in this moment, when you're discouraged, then he'll reveal to you, why, why, why does that discourage you? Do you know who I am? Do you know that I can turn something around, that I work all things out for the good of those who love me? Do you know that I'm working behind the scenes? Do you realize that I'm for you every step of the way? So why would that discourage you and not the truth of who I am? And so when you start to, then two years ago, that's when the Lord began to really show me this understanding, is Justin, in every moment that you face, there's a revelation of who I am to you. And you'll start not just to go, oh man, okay, who is God for me? And, and Well, he's my Jehovah this, and he's my Jehovah that, and he's my Jehovah that. And those all become certain level of head knowledge until you hit a moment and you go, God, who do you want to be for me right now? Justin, this is who I am for you right now. So that you can experience joy in the midst of pain. Am I, I don't know if I'm clarifying myself, but I, I, I'll, I'm getting there. He is revealing Himself in every triumph and achievement. He's revealing Himself. So this life that we're living is about discovering who He is for us at every moment. That's intimacy. Because many times we, have a, we think of intimacy, we think of those moments even as spouses that of an intimate moment. That's not intimacy. Intimacy is where your relationship is flowing together, where you and the Father are in unison, where you think like each other, where you feel what he feels, where your heart hurts and bends and breaks for people that his heart hurts and bends and breaks for. It's when you walk past that, 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 that individual who was beaten on the side of the road, and those, that priest and that Levite, they both saw him and they moved on past him, but then a Samaritan saw him and his heart was what? Filled with compassion. That's when I know that me and God are in unison is when my heart starts to beat for those who are in my presence. Just this past couple of days, we're getting some internet set up at the the new office place that we have, and there's two Comcast guys. And it's, it's right when they walk in the room, it's like God just gave me a heart for both of these guys on how to converse with them and minister to them and love on them and and how to begin to see what he sees for them. But I was very tempted to carry on with my day while they were working on their thing. I just felt like God nudging me like, don't miss it, man. Like, Justin, don't miss this. You're going to continue to work on your message about compassion for people and you're going to miss, like, ministering to two guys that are right in your midst? Like, don't miss it, Justin. Don't miss what this is all about because if you have my heart, my heart is my people. And so it's learning to trust him every step of the way to embrace and to believe and to stand firm in his character, in his nature. Because when you deny self, then you give up your right to be hurt. You give up your right to be mad. You give up your right to be bitter. You give up your right to be lonely. Why? Because you now start to go, God, I give up my right to those things because I believe you are this and I trust that you are always with me and you'll never forsake me if you forsake me. I I I trust that I can cast my care upon you because you care for me. And because I'm discovering who he is, I now have more confidence in doing those things. Many of us hold on to our cares very deeply. We share and talk about them like they're one of our stepchildren. Like, this is my care, and I, I just wish I hate it, but it's, it's who I am, and this is what I, I just do. And, and the reason why we don't cast the care is because we don't fully trust that God cares for us. And so somebody's got to worry about my life, right? And why not me? me? When God says, Justin, can you cast it? No, the reason why I don't cast it is because I haven't fully discovered that he cares for me. And so I hold on to something because, Because I haven't got the revelation of who he is. Do you realize how important this is of the revelation of who God is? And that's why I always say to you guys, God is always what? He always has your... And he's always setting you up to succeed in what he's called you to do. When you believe that, a setback looks very different. A disappointing outcome looks very different. Something that you hoped God would do and he did not come through for you at a particular time now looks very different. Why? Because you are convinced of a different reality that although I see this disappointment, God's got my best in mind. And somebody goes, man, doesn't that that hurt? Aren't you disappointed in that? No, no, no. God's got my best in mind and he's always setting me up to succeed. So if this happened whatever the enemy's trying to do, or maybe God had stopped something from happening in my life, I trust that he's always good. And I'm not pretending now. I'm fully persuaded because me and my father are in unison. Daniel 11.32, look at these words. It'll be on the screen. But the people who will be what? And they shall carry out great exploits. As a young man, guess what my focus always was? great exploits oh I was so excited for God to use me and I can't wait to see what I can do to change the world and so I was like I'm going to now use this as a bridge to this and do you see what I did is I caused now God to be something less than the greater thing that I wanted are you following me I wanted this I want this and so I'm going to use him to get these things And now he became a bridge, so my time with God was, if I spend more time with you, God, will I have greater anointing? Do you see the perversion in that? That when self and ambition was at the forefront, I used God for the very things that I wanted from God. Instead of just having a relationship with him and knowing that there's a byproduct from that, that the more time I pray did not translate into more anointing. Why? Because he gave me Jesus. He placed his spirit on the inside of me. He killed my old man and gave me a new man. I am anointed of God. I just now need to learn how to walk in that anointing. So no longer am I using my time with God for peace. Lord, if I spend time with you, will I have greater joy? If I spend time with you, will my marriage get better? If I spend time with you, will my business get better? And now we just use God to get something from God. And that's why I always encourage us, man, let's just learn how to receive. I start off the day just receiving. Father, I receive all your favor today. I receive your rest and your wisdom today. Wherever I go, I thank you that my steps are ordered because, Father, I just received your love today. Now I started a place where all that stuff was already given to me. Now when I spend time with him, it has nothing to do with what he can produce for me, but just so I can get to know him. Are you following along? So the emphasis is not being strong or doing great things. It's knowing him. It's knowing the father. Because he's the most gracious. He is the most loving. And even as I'm saying these words and go through this message, just realize condemnation is going to break over your life. You're going to feel the moment the Holy Spirit goes, it's breaking. He is the most kind, just, gentle, perfect, forgiving, long-suffering, merciful, loving person you'll ever encounter. If you do not experience that when you spend time with God, you have a wrong perception of God. John or Jeremiah, this is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. In chapter 9, verse 23, he says these words, Hey, let not the wise boast in their wisdom. He said, those guys who know it all, don't let them boast in their knowledge. He said, those who are strong, don't boast in your strength. He said, those who are rich, don't boast in your riches. But if you're going to boast in anything, if you're going to go after anything, if there's going to be any pursuit, let him who glorifies, or glory, glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Because when you understand and know God, not just how do I be a better Christian? And, and we teach how to be a better Christian. And hey, you need to love people and you need to go do this. And what happens is you start to do the function of a Christian without knowing the father of who you are. But when you just simply begin to go, God, I want to understand you. Father, I'm going through one of the most difficult moments in my life. Can you help me understand who you are to me right now? Because all I feel is like you rejected me. I feel like you haven't accepted me. I feel like you haven't given me the things I asked for. But God, God, I want to put that aside. And I just want to know, who are you to me? And he'll start to whisper, Justin, I want to be your comforter. Yeah, but I want an answer. Don't worry about that. You need my comfort more than you need my answer. And then I start to discover his comfort in a place where I never felt comfortable. And now I realize... It doesn't matter where I am, in the valley of the shadow of death or on the mountaintop singing praises to God. He is someone for me in every single moment. And so he says, man, let us glory in this that he understands and that we know our Father. Jesus, when he was praying this prayer in John chapter 17, he says these words, and this is eternal life. Sunday school has always taught you one thing. Eternal life is what? Life forever in in heaven. And so we're fixated on this idea of salvation is I'm going to heaven, when in truth it's so much more. Jesus said, this is eternal life that they may know you. He's praying to God. He goes, man, I hope they catch this revelation that eternal life is not about heaven. Eternal life is not about what you've done for us. Eternal life is about them being able to now know you freely and to know Jesus whom you have sent. And so eternal life is not limited to us going to heaven, but it's heaven being deposited in us. I want to say that again. I know it's something we know in our mind, but I hope it can sink in is that eternal life is not limited to us going to heaven. That's going to be great one day when we are no longer on this earth. Our life is like a vapor on this earth. But one day we're going to spend eternal eternity with him. But that is not eternal life. It's heaven being deposited on the inside of us. And it's knowing the one who loved us so much and has pursued us so relentlessly that he sent his son to die on our behalf so that we could stand not just as forgiven sinners, but we could stand as redeemed sons and daughters. Jesus said, I am the way to the, meaning that I'm a way to a restored relationship to the Father. There is nothing between you and God. And so the goal of our salvation is not heaven, it's transformation. This is very important. The goal is not heaven. It's being transformed into who you already are. Now that's a contradiction of some sorts is that God is transforming you. He's causing you to become who you already are. He's reminding you that you are a lost son and daughter and that you have an identity to step into. And that's why I place so much emphasis on it. We're not trying to become something. We're being transformed into who we already are. Otherwise, we live life as though we were saved by a stranger. I can't tell you how many times I come across individuals and we start to talk about the things of God outside the church setting. And they may go to church once or twice a year, but they say that they're saved And I just love to ask them the question, not to trick them, not to trip them up, just to kind of set the stage for our conversation is, tell me a little bit about God. And as they begin to talk, it's a distance. It's not a father, it's a God up in heaven who is probably disappointed, very upset, very angry, and does not have a heart for them. And so now what happens is they're saved by someone they've never met, Think about in your own life, if you were drowning and somebody came by and saved you and they gave you their address, they gave you where they live and they said, you know what, I'd love to get to know you more and they literally saved your life. You tell everybody about them that they saved you but you never go and visit them. Wouldn't that be weird? Like, man, he's just two blocks away, he's given me access, I can go over and just thank him again but I tell everybody that this guy saved me but I never go and spend time with the one who actually saved me. And that's what we want. We want this life to be one that is mirroring or mirror I don't know how to pronounce it. M I R R O R I N G. Perfect. Good emphasis on the erring. The truth of who God really is and what He is really like will set us free to have incredible experiences with Him. It's only when I see Him rightly that I can actually enjoy relationship with Him. And I believe this with all my heart. When we embrace who He is, the trajectory of our life is changed. When you set something like this and you give it time, that thing is its called Trajectory. And oftentimes, we're trying to do this Christian life, and we do our Sunday thing, and we do our weekly Bible study, but there's a moment where you start to actually see who God is. You start to embrace who He is in your life, and you start to go, wow, my life is going in a different direction. It's weird. I know you guys, I, I know you guys can't necessarily feel it, maybe you can, um, There's a blockage this morning. I'm not sure what it is. But I hope you catch what I'm saying at the heart level of what I'm saying. This is not just you guys hearing a good message about knowing God. This is realizing that Jesus secured a relationship with God, that there is not one ounce of obstacle hindrance to you being able to relate with him to you being able to commune with him and to abide with him. This new life is more than just a theological position that we take. It's his life is now in us. And Jesus now expresses his life through us that we are not Christians because of our doctrine, although that's extremely important. We are Christians because Christ, by the Spirit of God, lives on the inside of us. Galatians 2.20 says, For I have been what? Crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I want you to realize that's union, that's intimacy. Intimacy with God is not going to a room, closing the doors, and now I'm going to be intimate with God. Intimacy with God is just receiving that Christ the Savior, Christ the Master, He lives and He dwells within me, and I'm going to be in union with Him, in one of mind and one of cord. Yes, we all are grateful that our name goes into the book of life. And like Jesus said, we should rejoice in that. But the goal is that heaven would come to earth and it would be revealed through his sons and daughters. That we represent his love wherever we go and that we're being transformed into his very image. Jesus said in Luke 17, I don't think it's going to be on the screen. He said, see here, for indeed the kingdom of God is where? It's in you intimacy with God, God is not somewhere you go. Are you following that? I want to make that clear. It's not, I need to be intimate with God, so I need to go somewhere to get intimate. No, intimacy with God is realizing that the Father dwells on the inside of you and that you are in union with Him just like the branch is in union with the vine. And so we are not just waiting to go to heaven. Christ is in us. And then it's by that Christ dwelling in us that our lives are transformed you are not trying to become a better Christian. You are allowing the Christ that lives in you to receive who Christ is for you, now live his life through you. And I've come to realize that all believers have a relationship with God, but many of us lack fellowship with him. And there's a vast difference between relationship and intimacy. Our relationship with God is 100% based upon Jesus Christ. I am now able to access God because of the blood of Jesus. I'm able to commune with the Father because of what Jesus did on my behalf. But if I want to walk in intimacy, it's based upon you receiving what He's done for you. If I want to walk in a level of confidence in who my father is and I start to have a relationship where we are in unison and that's why Jesus said I don't do what I do unless I see my father what? Do it. I don't say a word unless I hear my father speak that word. That's called unison. It's called the ability to flow with the father. And so intimacy is something that we have a responsibility on our part to wake up and rather than go and work and perform with God, man, just converse with him. But the prayers are not, God, I need this today and God, I need this today. That's a, that's a partnership. That's a business transaction. That's a, God, I need you to do this. It's, God, I wake up and I just received you today. Man, I just receive your joy today because I don't know what lies ahead for me today. And I'm not asking you to protect me from all the challenges and difficulties, but I know that there are going to be challenges that happen. So Father, I thank you that you not only guide me, but you give me your joy right now that I'll have joy even when I face those challenges. Father, I just receive your peace today. And I thank you that the Prince of Peace lives on the inside of me. So no matter what I go through today, that day is not going to determine who I am. Father, thank you for my brother. Thank you that condemnation is breaking off his life. There's a free man able to freely worship and able to freely serve you in Jesus name. And so what happens is I just begin to commune with him and receive from him from my father. Do you know what that births on the inside of me? Intimacy. It wasn't a long drawn out 1 hour time with God and do that every day and you're going to feel this time with God. No, it was just every single moment of the day when I get bad news and I hear something that was not pleasant. What happens to us as humans? It pushes us back. It knocks us off of our way. And we have the Holy Spirit who is with us every single day where we can just say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're with me during this time. And I just ask that you will show me how to see this situation because I don't see it rightly. And I pray that you will show me how to see that person because I don't see them rightly. And what happens is you now just begin to form a relationship throughout the course of the day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where you are intimate with your Father. Are you catching a glimpse, a little bit of a glimpse of what this looks like? When we put aside ourself and we start to commune with the Father, it changes the way that we live every moment of our life. Why did Jesus break away and be with the Father? Two words, you can put those on the screen. Intimacy and alignment. Intimacy is this God, I want your heart. I want my heart to beat like yours. I want my heart to feel for people like your heart feels. I want your heart. For for my enemies, I want your heart toward them just as well. I want your heart toward my kids. I want your heart toward my spouse. Father, I am intimate with you because I want what you have in your hearts. I, I want to be able to have compassion for those who are in a time of need. I want patience for those who desperately need or are trying my patience. I want your heart. In alignment is what? I want your will. I want to be walking in step with what you've called me to do, not because of it's going to be a better life for me, but because I want it. Not my will, but yours be. It's alignment. And so those times where I converse with the Father, they actually help me to, to feel the Father's heart toward everybody, and they allow me to align with who God is for me. To remain connected to the Father's heart, to remain aligned to the Father's will. I'm going to close a little bit early, so I want you to see these three words on the screen. Worship team, you can come up. I want you to see the progression, then we're going to do one more slide, is is abide. Now, when you think abide, do you think about a location or a place? What do you think of? When I see the word abide, I look at the life of Jesus, who was our model and our example. That word abide is where in any moment... I have the ability to abide in who He is for me and who I am to Him. So you come with this feeling of rejection. How many ever felt rejected before? So there's this feeling of rejection. And so maybe you don't have a time to to go away into a prayer closet and to get your heart right. It's at that moment, it's at that place where, man, somebody just said something or something happened or I just feel rejected. Where I go, you know what, Father? I just abide in your love for me. That you will never reject me. You have never rejected me. In fact, you've chosen me. And I just realized that I'm chosen of you and I'm your son. What I did is I just abide. I abide in a reality that is greater than my life. I abide in a reality that is greater than my feelings. I abide in something that is greater than what I'm experiencing. And I abide. in what happens as I abide, what happens? I start to see differently. I start to see my spouse differently. I start to see my kids differently. I start to see my circumstance, my workplace, and my boss. Because think about this. Sometimes we can come home and we go, you know what? I just gave a boss a piece of my what? My mind. But what if you learned how to abide and the boss deserved a piece of your mind, but you came home, you were able to tell your spouse, you know what? It was amazing what God did because I loved my boss when he was unlovely. And somehow I shared the grace of, of Christ with him and the, and, the, and the grace that God showed me, I was able to extend it toward him. And God moved mightily on that man's life. What happens is you took self out of the picture. You can play the piano if you don't mind. You took self out of the picture. And you started to allow God to move because somehow, some way, you denied self. You were able to abide in who God is for you, who you are to God, and now you saw your boss differently. How about when your spouse... Oh, boy. Don't worry. We're in the same boat. Me and the Sarah, the same boat. When your spouse digs you and not in the good way. <laughs> Throws a dig. It's those little spears that hurt, right? Think about this. But you have a life of abiding. And that spear came, that little dig, meant to what? Hurt you. To do something so that we can engage in something further because I am going to say these words to you just to give you a little bit of pain. Because you caused me pain, or somebody else caused me pain, I'm going to let you know it. And because you were able with the lifestyle to abide, you start to realize, deny self. Father, who are you, man? Every time I digged you, Father, you just loved me back. Every time I was running from you, you just forgave me and you showed me mercy. And that's who I am for you. And so you look at your spouse now and you see them differently. You start to realize, man, they threw that spirit at you, not because of you. Because they're hurting. Now you have the ability to walk in love because that spirit no longer was personal. Because you took the gospel personal. Now you're able to love your spouse instead of go, you know what, watch this. You got one, I'll throw two back. And what happens is we hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt, 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 hurt. Everybody's hurting each other. And we live with all these spears and we live with all these walls and we live with all this protection. We live with a lack of trust. Why? Because I don't want anybody to be able to what? Hurt me. And so we abide in who God is and who we are and we start to see life differently and then we become. So the moment I love my spouse, when they throw a spear at my chest, guess what? I just became love. I just stepped into who I am. I just walked into a place of love. And then I keep no records of wrong. I I have no selfish ambition. Why? Because I'm becoming who he is because I abided with the one who knew how to love. Are you following me? So you abide in those moments of abiding or God, who are you for me? Who, Who am I to you? I receive it. Help me to see it. I see it. And now I become that very thing. And remember how he transforms you. Final slide. Watch this. He transforms your perspective first and foremost. He goes, Justin, if I can cause you to see the way that I see, and you would begin to think that way. So God, how do you see that person? I'm asking him, God, how do you see this situation? Imagine if you ask God that. God, how do you see my boss? Who's crazy? And you allow him to show you how he sees him. Then you go, okay, God, not my perspective, but your perspective be done. I'm going to now renew my mind to how you see him. And as you renew your mind to how you see him, you start, your language changes toward that person. Your language changes toward your spouse. Your language changes toward your kids. Your language changes toward your circumstances. Why? Because you allow God To transform you because the goal of our life is not getting to it's being transformed into becoming a son and a daughter of God and so we're gonna sing one song as we finish and before you partake of communion today I'm gonna ask Mike to come up and Steve to come up they're gonna issue the elements I want to pray for those who are sick while you come up so you can partake of communion some of you can go back to your seats or stay in the altar but I want to pray for those who are sick right here in the middle up front I'll tell you why I was reading this passage the other day it comes from James chapter 5 and it says these words is anyone among you suffering let him pray is anyone cheerful let him sing psalms is anyone among you sick Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Condemnation does not belong in your life. Condemnation is, I deserve this negative side from God. Jesus took Everything you deserved on that cross, 100%, he drank the cup of God's wrath that was due to you and I was on the cross, was satisfied. God will never judge you. He'll never be angry with you. He will never want his wrath towards you because Jesus satisfied it all. There's no condemnation. Now, sin is deadly you play with sin and it will cause you to see yourself like your old man it will cause you to experience shame and guilt and condemnation but that has nothing to do with you and that's why we can't play with sin because it ruins not God's view of us it ruins our ability to receive from God and there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ so as we receive communion I want to read these these, uh, passages to you. Actually, put them on the screen. The very last verse. Romans 8. Yep. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen and loved to be His? God Himself is the judge who has issued His final verdict over you, which is what? Not guilty. Amen? Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, for He is the Anointed One, for He gave His life for us. And even more than that, He has conquered death and He's now risen. He's exalted and He's enthroned by God at the right hand. So how could He possibly condemn us since He is continually praying for your triumph? There is no condemnation for you. You are in Christ Jesus. Confess your sin. He is faithful and just to what cleanses you, forgive you, and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So when you receive The body of the Lord, which is the bread. The blood of Jesus, which is the the little wine in there. When you receive this today, leave this verse up here while we sing, okay? You don't need to put the words up here. Just leave this verse up here. That the final verdict over you is not guilty. Would you please stand with me this morning? It's when you believe this, that you can be intimate with the Father. It's when you receive that there's no condemnation, for those who are in Christ Jesus, that you can receive intimacy with Him to abide, to see and become. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name as we worship this last song, as we receive communion and recognize that Your blood has cleansed us and Your body was broken for us. Father, we receive freely with joy. I pray that joy will be alive in people's hearts today that they won't feel like you have condemned them, that you have pushed them away, that you have, you're done with them. But Father, a renewed passion to know you would come alive in them today. And so we partake of this very thing we call communion. We receive your forgiveness, your redemption, and the cleansing of your blood. And Father, those who come and pray, who give prayer for healing, I thank you that the anointing of God will be present that as I lay hands upon the sick, that, Father, your power would go through their body in Jesus' name. And we receive that you are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. We won't, we won't be deterred by what we feel and what we're experiencing. We just believe who you are for them. That you are a healer and your desire is to see them well. You say in your word that if anyone is sick, they should come. And the prayer of faith will save those who are sick. So we bless them today. We bless our time here today. In Jesus' name,